0: Welcome to the Thrive Church Weekly Podcast. We pray that you will be blessed and encouraged by this message today. Thanks for tuning in. I just want to pray just before we uh, get started. Holy Spirit, we we just thank you that you're the one that leads us into all truth. We also thank you that your word is truth and the truth will set us free. And so we just partner with truth today. We just say we are on board with truth. (laughs) We ask for the spirit of wisdom and revelation to come into our hearts and to align us with your word and with your spirit in Jesus' name. Amen. Awesome. Hey, well, you know, something that really blows me away in the context of, you know, the the founding of the church is that Jesus went down to the wharf to look for those who would become the future leaders and pioneers of the early church. You know, he went looking for fishermen. <laughs> he didn't go down to the temple. Uh, you know, he didn't go to the library where the scholars would be. He didn't go to the local Bible college. Uh, he didn't go to the political parties to look for leaders. He went down to the wharf and he found Peter and he found James and then he went looking in other places as well and he uh, and he found John and he and he found Judas. And, and, and you know these guys were essentially the father's a plan from heaven that was given to Jesus to see the gospel uh, spread throughout the world isn't that amazing because Jesus only did what he saw the father doing uh john five nineteen and, and and so he he saw these guys and he's like, these guys are on heaven's radar <laughs> And they weren't like the, the, the brightest necessarily. Maybe some of them were pretty clever. But they, I don't think they were the brightest. You know, the best with money. They weren't the top scholars or the best sports people. They were just a group of guys that were just trying to make a buck in life and, and do life well, I guess. You know, and, and you think of Peter. He was like the, the disciple. Uh, that most of us, you know, can identify with. I think, you know, I can really identify with Peter when you look at his life. One minute he was walking on water by faith. The next minute he is sinking in doubt. He was impulsive. He was emotional. Um, He denied Jesus. So, you know, he had a track record. But, you know, after the resurrection of Christ... What it became of Peter, he became a bold evangelist, he became a missionary, and he became one of the greatest leaders in the early church. Come on, Peter. We salute you, Peter. <laughs> Just in three years, those who were closest to Jesus created incredible momentum because they were close to Jesus. And as he discipled these guys over three years, they became world changers. I want to just remind you today that we are part of the greatest story in the history of the universe. <laughs> How about you turn to your neighbor and just say, welcome to the greatest story in the history of the universe. <laughs> Did you know? This is a story about a family that, that carries a dream and the power to change the world through the gospel of Jesus Christ. I've got my paint can here today, carefully selecting a red can in honour of the latest government. No, <laughs> not really. I just grabbed it. it, just happened to be red, but it's also, you know, symbolic of the blood of Jesus, so if you're feeling that spirit of offence come around, you just remind yourself Jesus' blood. <laughs> You know, if you leave a um, a can of paint on a shelf for, you know, months, two months, three months, four months, you know, I don't know if you've ever opened a can, but you'll notice the ingredients of the can of paint, they've all begun to separate. And sometimes you can open the can up and you can look at it and and you're actually not sure what the color is anymore because, you know, it's all separated out. But you know, when when the can is stirred, when the paint's stirred up again, it becomes that original color, that the original intent of that paint can is in there and you can see it, you can see it again. I simply want to remind you today is that Christians are not meant to be like a can of paint that stays on a shelf. (laughs) You know, if we do, we're going to lose one of the most simple purposes of our faith. And that is, is that we are meant to bring color to the world around us. We're meant to bring the color of transformation. We're meant to bring the color of restoration. You know, Jesus said it this way, we're meant to be like salt and light to the world we're meant to illuminate the truth we're meant to show off his goodness and we're meant to preserve the values and the moral code of the bible and what is true and noble and good we're meant to express the vibrancy and the joy of who jesus christ is to the world around us come on (laughs) and everyone in this room has some color (laughs) everyone in this room has some color to add to your family to your neighbors, to your friends, to your work, to your workplace, and I know it's really easy to disqualify ourselves, isn't it? Because the spirit of condemnation is always there. We're like, well, you know, I could never, I could never teach the word of God. I'm, not, I don't know the Bible well enough. I, I, I could never, you know, I couldn't help it. with youth ministry. I can't even relate to young people, for goodness' sake. Man, my finances are in such disorder. I could, I'm disqualified from from helping anyone. I want to remind you today that no matter what disqualifications you think you have, you're, you're always qualified to share hope. You're always qualified to smile. <laughs> Perhaps you're even qualified to cook a meal to help someone out, you know, who needs a meal. You know, these guys here <laughs> popped round to the Chessoms last night with some food. As they came back with a whole lot of boxes of domino pizzas <laughs> Too late. <laughs> maybe Maybe you qualified, ah, oh, you could be qualified to help out on the host team here at Thrive. Yeah. Come on. what else you you could be qualified you could you could help out tidy someone's garden up you could visit a lonely neighbor you know all of us have got some color the color of the gospel to bring to the world around us you know one of the primary roles of fathers or of parent figures mothers is is that of a guide And we have a world around us, and you have a church around you that is in need of examples of what godly men and women look like and how godly men and women do stuff, how they solve problems. We all need fathers and mothers in our world. Everyone needs someone to help navigate the issues of life. In the book of Genesis... Right in the first few chapters, it shows this relational precedent that God the Father set in the garden. And it was between the Father and His children, Adam and Eve. You know, what did God put in the garden? God didn't put a throne in the garden. He didn't put His throne in the garden. He didn't put His throne in the garden so He could sit on His throne with His arms folded and, and He could watch Adam and he could, they could bow down to him. He could watch him on his, you know, his lofty place. He didn't put a throne in the garden. He put paths in the garden. He put paths in the garden so he could walk with his children in the cool of the day, so that they could be in the garden together, so they could go on journeys together, so they could talk about you know, what the world was going to look like together. And I don't, I'm not deluding the fact that Jesus is our Lord and Savior, and let the fire, you know, touch our hearts, may He refine us, may He purify us, as we sung about this morning. You know, in heaven is not a democracy, <laughs> it's not a democratic state, it's a kingship, but God causes his kingdom to happen through the church and through into places of influence in the context of family, in the context of relationships. And I love the story of Rahab the prostitute who was saved from a city that was going to be destroyed. And if I'll just bring you up to speed with the city, if you don't, if you haven't heard of Rahab, the background is, is that, you know, um, Joshua had sent spies into Jericho that was going to be destroyed and overtaken. It was the part of the promised land, and they were into all sorts of corrupt things. They were killing babies, sacrificing babies, um, you know, worshipping foreign, you know, just bad stuff. It was mayhem. And so the city was going to be destroyed, and, and the spies went into the city, and they hid in the house of Rahab. And Rahab's quick thinking, she kept them safe while these spies surveyed the city. And in return, she, she asked that her family would be spared from death. And so the spies guaranteed her safety. And as long as her family hid with her in her room, and she actually, and, and she had to have a scarlet cord, you know, that was her color, wasn't it? She brought some color. She had to have a scarlet cord from her window so that so they would know that she was there and they would be kept safe. And so the city of uh, Jericho was taken, and, and then Rahab and her family were saved. Yay! <laughs> and they weren't only saved, Rahab and her family were then adopted into the lineage of the Israelite nation. And the Bible says that Rahab later became the wife of Salmon, the great grandfather or the great great grandfather of King David. <laughs> His great 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 grandmother was, was a prostitute. And David, in the lineage of David, there is the ancestor of Jesus Christ. <laughs> Rahab is in the ancestry of Jesus Christ. You know, everyone belongs in the family of God. There's room for everyone in the house of God. In Hebrews 11, verse 31, it says this By faith, the prostitute Rahab. By faith, (laughs) the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. (laughs) See, Rahab, in the eyes of the law, had no right to be there. She had no right to be a part of the family. But by faith, she was granted her place of belonging in the family. Her trade disqualified her from holiness, but by her faith, Everyone has a measure of faith. <laughs> I don't want to tell you your measure of faith is enough to be included in the family of God. Her faith created an opportunity for her to be connected with this family. So if you're a follower of Christ, I want to tell you today that the spirit of rejection has nothing to do with your future. It has nothing to do with who you are. You know, the spirit of rejection, it causes us to carry feelings of unworthiness and it partners with this orphan spirit that makes us feel unwanted. But in Christ, we have the spirit of adoption. He is the vine and we are the branches. The same lifeblood that flows through him flows into our lives. You know, if you have the spirit of rejection operating in your lives, you might feel left out in conversations. You might feel like you're always an observer here at Thrive, unable to interact. You might feel like you have the need to prove yourself while at the same time feeling like you can never measure up. The spirit of rejection is ugly and it wants to isolate you. I want to tell everyone in this room today that you belong. That you belong. That because Christ Jesus was despised, rejected, hating on, taken to the cross, that He died for you, that He died for your, your rejection. Your, your rejection died with Christ so that you can be fully embraced into the bloodline of heaven, the bloodline of Father. Come on, Rejection has nothing to do with your future. You know, rejection's something that I've battled with over the years a few times. This year has been difficult because there's a few people that have left the church. <laughs> Just being real. I'm like, but lucky the people that came have, you know, helped me feel better as well. <laughs> Not really. Still got to face the ugly. Well not well, you have made me feel better, but I, that's not how I want to deal with <laughs> deal with the issues of my heart. Man, if everyone left, that'd be a problem for me, wouldn't it? <laughs> how would I deal with it then? Well, I just know that in Christ I'm not rejected. that I belong. Are you staying? You're staying. <laughs> you're staying. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I've had um, a few people in my life, uh, not counting my own parents, who have made such an impact in my world. A few, a few father and mother kind of figures. And, I, and, in, and in those times where rejections tried to come around me, I, I've had to force myself to move in the opposite spirit. That's a great way to overcome the spirit of rejection. You have to move in the opposite spirit. You have to get around people who will speak life and speak truth. I just wanna mention a few a few legends in my life. As an eighteen year old, I remember a, a Baptist youth leader called Graham Reed. He was a teacher at um Brangier Borough School and he rang me one morning out of the blue before I was I think before I was going to school or something like that, or before I was going to work, and he just said, Man, I just feel like the Spirit of God has just told me that you're just having a really bad day, a really bad morning. And I was. I was so depressed. (laughs) And he rang me up and encouraged me and blessed me and said, I believe in you. God's got a plan for your life. At 8 o'clock in the morning, it might have been 7.30. That was random. We need people like that in our lives. Lynn Frew (laughs) and Peter Frew heroes in my life, people that made room uh, for me, it allowed me to fail and, um, you know, up on the pulpit here with a microphone, experimented with me, <laughs> like, is he all right? <laughs> you know, believed in me. The guy called John Robertson, who owned the hearing tech uh, chain, um, he's a, a great man, was a part of this church about 15 years ago, and he, I was in business, and he was an incredible business mentor, And he believed in a dream that I had one day. I was crossing the road as I was praying and I saw a large printing press in my vision and and I was not involved with printing. And, I, and, and the spirit of God said to me, hey, you're going to own a, own a printing company one day at that time. And about six years went past. And I told John about this dream. And, um, and I said, well, you know, I don't know what to do with it. There's no printing businesses for sale. I don't, I don't even know anything about printing. Then I, I said, I guess I'd start with a photocopy shop, though. I left the meeting. John rang me um, immediately, said, do you know there's a photocopy shop for sale in Rangiura? I went, No. Nah. <laughs> The next day, he loaned me $30,000 so I could buy the business. I don't know if he'd want me to say that. He made a bold investment. <laughs> Faith, fathers We need them. We need those ones that believe in us. Reach out, move in the opposite spirit if you have the spirit of rejection trying to come around you. I know I am who I am because I've aligned myself with people who want to invest in my life. 1 Corinthians 4 verse 15, even though, this is Paul writing to the church, even though you have 10,000 guardians in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I became your father through the gospel. See, what's planted in us as we receive The gospel are the seeds of relational connection. In Christ, I became your father through the gospel. It's a two-way street. Do you want to be a son or a daughter? (laughs) We need fathers and mothers who will be fathers and mothers to sons and daughters who are hearing the gospel. Acts 2, uh, 42-46. This gives us a window into doing life in the early church. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. See, the early church experienced community to its fullest sense. (laughs) They prayed together, they shared their belongings, and they were all in together. On a daily basis. They weren't fractured or fragmented. I no doubt they had disagreements, you know, but they worked through it and had everything in common. <laughs> it's pretty radical. It goes on to say they sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had a need. Every day they continued to meet in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Man, talk about connection. There's no room for disconnection in that kind of space. You know, the expression of Christ's love in our church family will never happen if we want a McDonald's drive-through church experience. (laughs) I'll have one warm welcome, two fast songs, one slow, one 20-minute message, and a quick exit on the side, please. (laughs) (laughs) Would you like a 5% tithe discount coupon with that? The early church became the body of Christ, didn't they? They became the body of Christ. They became the demonstration of who Christ was. And the, and the body of Christ was evident in how these people did life. How they valued their neighbors and their friends and their, their ones who shared the common faith it was as a family. They applied this color of generosity to those around them. They all said, I've got some. (laughs) I could bring some color to this world. I could bring some color to this church as they met together, as they broke bread, as they took care of one uh, one another's needs. You know, our our vision, we've got a couple, really, as a church. We want to see something radical happen. We want to see 10,000 souls impacted by the gospel of Jesus Christ in our community. To break that down, our, our, our purpose, really, is that we would belong, be loved, and be the light. That we would be, have a place of belonging where people can be loved by one another, by the Spirit of God, and then be the light to this world. So I just want to say, you know, if you consider yourself to be a member of this church family, to be a part of our family, this is a word for you today. Do not ignore this word. Do not ignore this word. There are people who need you in this church. And it's highly likely that these people are really different from you. They're probably different ages. They might have different colors. They might smell different. (laughs) They might have a different occupation. They might have a different accent. You know, not just language base, but they might have a different political party. (laughs) Their whole accent might be different. (laughs) They'll have different opinions. I love Ephesians 3, 17 and 18. We're just going to look at 18. It says this, it's together with all the saints. Everyone say together with all the saints. And then it says we will grasp how high and wide and deep the love of Christ is. You could do that, Liam. You know, there's something in here for a group of people. When I say something, the love of Christ is in here that can only be experienced together, that cannot be experienced apart. Thanks again for tuning in to the Thrive Church weekly podcast. Stay up to date with everything that is happening by following us on social media.